Hi, everybody. Hi. Welcome to this week's Padilla in the Know. We are coming to you from Studio City today at Aroma Cafe, which is lovely if you're ever in Southern California. It's a great little place to stop. Oh, like it. Yes, brandy. <laughs> um, so I am here with Olivia Cohen today. She is an amazing DP, and she has done so many things. We've worked, we worked together on Pop Sugar, but I mean, I feel like... That was ages ago. That was ages yeah. ago, but... I feel like, you know, I stalk you and follow you on social. So I feel like I'm not that far behind, but maybe yeah. a little bit. So for everyone at home, can you tell us about what you're up to and what you've been working on? And maybe give us a little bit of your background, too, just so we can kind of get the full picture. Yeah, for sure. So I... Um, I st- got interested in doing film when I was a kid and uh, my dad had like a little mini a, mini DV camcorder and uh, me and my sister would like take it and go and make stupid little movies around the, the neighborhood with all the other kids on the block and um, it just sort of took off from there <laughs> so my, my dad like fully supported us my mom too and they like bought us like more equipment, more editing software so that we could practice and then eventually we both went to film school Surprise, surprise. And uh, so I went to NYU and I graduated in 2007. And while I was there, I realized what I really wanted to do, as opposed to direct, was DP. Um, which, you know, when you're you're young and you live in a place that has no film industry like Houston, you just don't know the difference. Um, yeah, but I, mean, I also think that's a really important point, is that you have to be afraid to not, like, try it out. You yeah. never know, you know, because you think that going in, oh, I totally want to do this one thing, and then you wind up changing gears and you find the thing that you actually want to plug yeah. in. Yeah, and I realized something about myself later on that I'm better at building on ideas yeah. rather than just starting from complete scratch and uh, yeah. formulating something from nothing. Yeah. So I'm, that, I, I thought that DPing was a much better fit for me. And I love it. I love it a lot. Yeah. So I've been working professionally as a DP since I graduated in 07. Oh, and real quick, for yeah. anyone who is listening and doesn't know what a DP is, it is a director of photography. So that is the main camera person. Yeah. So the lead camera person, if I guess is kind of the best way to put it in layman's terms. But that's what DP is. Also known as cinematographer. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's the Oscar's name for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the layman name. The name that you use on it's a deep yeah. so that's what that means it has other innuendos but let's ignore those for yeah no. we'll just we'll go down the clean path for today yeah. <laughs> um so so yeah um i at this point i've been mostly shooting independent feature films um and I'm up to over 25 at this point. That's so amazing. Which is a lot, if anyone doesn't know. Um, and I am also currently working on my first major project as a director. Not that I want to become a director, but I, uh, my mom played football, professional football in the 1970s. And so I'm making a documentary about her experience. And we've tracked down all of her teammates not all, but a lot of her teammates, and um, we're planning on shooting interviews with them this summer and creating, recreating their experience, which was just a spectacular story. It's so yeah. amazing. It's such a unique story, and I remember when I first saw you start talking about it on social, and I was like, this is crazy. I didn't realize it was your mom at first. Yeah. It took me a minute to make that connection, and what a unique experience, and what yeah. an interesting story. I'm so excited for this to come together. I can't wait. It's going to be really cool. 
So, well, that's enough to keep you busy for the moment. Yes. <laughs> that will do it. So I know that a lot of our viewers are creating a lot more video content themselves for their businesses or their brands, and they're really doing that on a budget. Mm-hmm. You know, it's video can get really expensive really quickly. Yeah. Not $10,000 seems like a lot of money until you put it in a shoot, and you're like, oh, cool. So we shot like five minutes of footage. That's great. Um, so when you are shooting for yourself and you are shooting on a budget, what are three critical elements that you recommend people consider when developing the, br- the visual branding elements that you want to include in that video? I mean, if you are really working on like zero budget, focus on the content really. It's just what you are seeing on the screen. So if I don't know what kind of business you're running, but anything that shows the personality of your business is important yeah uh, so whether it's the area that you're shooting in um, or it's something that you're talking about and um, you know try to be as human as possible because people like people yeah and find whatever brings that out in you whether it's having somebody else in the room or having nobody in the room or um, having your cat in the room I don't know <laughs> just just do your best to try and make it feel like you are interacting with people as opposed to presenting them something because people don't like to be sold they like to feel like they're a part of it yeah and I think that's such I know engagement is such a buzzword at the moment but I think being engaging with your content in one way or another you know either it's visually very striking and it makes you want to look at it or it's very heartfelt and the story that you're telling really connects to your audience and to your viewers like finding a way to be engaging Right. Is what's going to set you apart when you don't have the budget for the bells and whistles. Yeah, and I think content just for the sake of content can almost backfire on you. And uh, will, you know, if, if you're just putting stuff out there just to fill the blanks in the social right. media feed, then it's not really going to be very productive. Yeah, there's no point. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. If you're passionate about it, other people will be passionate about it. Exactly. It's contagious. Exactly. <laughs> um, and just in case anyone's curious, we're sitting under this huge oak tree, and it's really windy today, and the tree's blowing around, and that's what that crazy noise is. It's not like a cat being tortured. It's just like crazy tree noise. So I feel like every one of these episodes there's something like wild going on in the yeah. background somewhere. It's like a car horn or today it's a tree. It's LA. It's, it's LA. There's always something. Yeah. Um, okay. So I hear all the time and I get DMs all the time about people feeling like they can't have polished content because they don't have a budget. And so they can't achieve that like super high production value, the super glossy things without a big team and a super expensive shoot so they're just like well if I can't afford to do it right then I'm just gonna turn on my camera and shoot any old thing and like put that up there and so if someone is like trying to figure out a way to enhance their own production quality working within the confines of the resources that they do have available to them what are some of the things that you like to do to try to like up the production value without having to pour a huge amount of money into that right Um, Well, there are some really cheap options as far as lighting goes, and lighting will really boost up your look. Um, you know, if you have no money, then go and shoot it in an area like where we're shooting it right now, where yeah. it's nice and shady, but still sunny at the same time, so it's yeah. bright and also 
uh, soft. Yeah. Um, but diffused. Diffused, yes. <laughs> Mother Nature's diffuser. Yeah, but <laughs> the, it's the tree. <laughs> yes, it's a noisy tree. The noisy tree. <laughs> Um, but uh, they, on Amazon, for instance, there are these cheap like ring lights you can just put around the lens of your camera that'll really like make you look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it it's a uh, it, it will help with the production value for sure. Yeah, um, if you could just not use the overhead fluorescent lighting that exists in most offices. Yeah, yeah, fluorescent is like your. It's not your friend. Like it makes you look terrible. It makes you look so washed out and shadowy and tired and like it's just it's generally a nice morgue look. Yeah. <laughs> but if yeah. you're not trying to promote your morgue, then uh <laughs> a different look. <laughs> yeah. And I also think, like, another, like, on that same note, direct overhead lighting is really tough. It makes, it kind of brings out the tired in your face. Right. It highlights those, like, circles under your eyes and all that stuff because the light is just crashing on your head. Mm-hmm. So you want the light to kind of fill the space around you. Yeah. And so if you're standing near a window, that light's kind of filling the space around you. Or if you can put even, like, a piece of white poster board on underneath and like bounce some of that light up into you you know it's also why you look so great in a car the windshield is sort of acting as this big light box and helping diffuse some of that light across your skin so yeah i think like light is everyone's best friend and if you have no money invest in light yeah the sun is free so just you know figure out where to sit so that the sun looks good on you and that's that's yeah, and I think don't be afraid to try it out. You know, like have your phone on and like take some pictures, take some video, whatever, and watch it back and yeah. see what you like the look of. And yeah, and you know, phone quality video really isn't that bad these days. Yeah, like the resolution is pretty high on most smartphones. Yeah. So that you run into problems when there's not enough light, and then it starts yeah. to look really terrible. Yeah. But as long as you're in like a nice lighting situation, your phone might be enough. Yeah. Um, if you want to up that level a little bit, my next best suggestion would be to get a DSLR with a uh, lens that has an optical zoom as opposed to a digital zoom. Yeah. Because that will create less depth of field so that when you see a movie, oftentimes the, the background is out of focus behind the characters and that looks more expensive. So that would be the way to do that is to get a nice lens. Yeah, that same effect is like portrait mode on yeah. your iPhone if you're taking a picture and the background kind of goes fuzzy. Yeah. Um, can you tell everyone like what an optical zoom is versus a digital zoom? Yeah, yeah. So um, on your phone, your nat- native uh, camera phone, there's a digital zoom option where you can sort of slide the little bar that says 1x, 2x, 3x, or something. Yeah. So that's basically, it's just as though you're on a computer looking at your picture and then zooming in like this. That's yeah. all it's doing. Um, an optical zoom actually changes the uh, the glass layout within the lens, yeah. so it's like a telescope. Um, so it maintains the quality of the image um, without, you know, you're not changing the resolution of the image. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, we do have a question. Is there a good millimeter for lens that you think is just kind of like a great, like, workhorse lens? You know, yeah. like, it's not super specific, but it's kind of a good, like, all-encompassing starter Yeah. Base. The, the favorite lens is 50 millimeters. Everyone loves a 50 millimeter lens. It's a, a medium spread lens. It's not too tight, so you would be able to still shoot yourself. And it's also not so wide that it makes you look like a fish. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> so I love that. 50 millimeter for the win. Um, so as we've talked about a little bit, light and environment are super critical to helping the video feel more high production and helping it just helping you better align your visuals with how you want your brand to be presented. Mm-hmm. Um, but often if you're shooting for yourself and you don't have a huge budget, you can't afford a, like a delightful location, you know, like a beautiful house up on the hills overlooking the ocean. So when you, when you're in maybe not the most ideal situation, what are some things that you like to do to kind of cheat the camera to mm-hmm. make it look better than it maybe really is? Well, uh, distance is your friend. So as if you have like a pretty deep space, then try to get to one end of it and just sort of squeeze yourself and the camera in a corner so that you have lots of depth behind you. Yeah. And that will just make your space look bigger. It'll make it look more dynamic and more intricate. Um, that's the easiest thing to do. And y- you might get a little uncomfortable in the corner of the room, but no one's, no one's ever going to know, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, together we've shot a lot of lifestyle content, and so obviously a lot of that is, like, beauty and fashion, and a lot of times we were shooting in a really random store or a random house or something, and we never really knew what we were walking into before we got there. So a lot of times we would go outside and find, like, an ivy-covered wall or even, like, a really cool fence or, like, just, like, a cool wall and put the camera person at the end of that wall and the model walking, like, forwards and backwards and just shooting, like, way down that space. And it gave the impression that the vibe was a lot cooler than had you actually been there across the street looking at us, you would have been like, what are these fools doing? (laughs) See it all the time. I know, what's (laughs) happening with these crazy kids? But, yeah, I mean, I think that's such a great trick and it's yeah. free it doesn't cost anything it's just kind of thinking about your space in a different way yeah and there are some like tricks that you learn in photography school early on where you do like a frame within a frame that always looks nice yeah or leading lines is another one so if you have like a line of books or something then mm-hmm. you stand at the end of it and it naturally draws the eye to the subject matter yeah um the rule of thirds is another big one so uh, you know, dividing your frame up into thirds and then placing important things on the lines of the thirds. That's a great one, actually. Yeah. And I think rule of thirds is also a good one to keep in mind if you're trying to figure out how to light your own space. Mm-hmm. Because you kind of want to think about the background, yeah. the middle part, and the foreground. And so as long as there's light sort of touching those spots, it gives the model or the subject somewhere to kind of be able to breathe and live and move. And you're not... It doesn't become like land of the shadow people. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, naturally, our eyes are drawn to the brightest thing in the frame. Um, I, when I was in, in school, the, we had a professor who pulled out a, a lighter and started waving it around in front of him, and he started talking, and every single person in the room was just following his hand in the lighter. So it's, it's a simple trick, but it works. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the end of the day, we're all toddlers. Right. <laughs> we're just much taller toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Those are such great tips, and I think that's really, like, great information to share with everybody. But I want to change gears a little bit, and I want to touch on you being a female DP, because it is still such a rare breed, even this day and age. I think being a female in this space at large is still not as common as we'd like to see that be. Um, So in this traditionally male space, how do you assert yourself to get people to look past your gender and really focus on your work? Yeah, I mean, all that I can really do is be good at my job and um, 
be confident about it. And that, you know, I, I can't change what people are thinking. And um, the, the only way to change it is going to be slow and through people constantly building up the reputations of our gender, I guess. Um, but it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I was in denial for a while that... Uh, you know, whatever, as long as I do a good job, everything will be fine. But then, like, people who, men who were at my level, and, like, we were, like, colleagues, have, like, long surpassed me. And um, it's, it could be discouraging at times. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still love it. I really enjoy doing this job. And, um, you know, it, you get to choose your own crew, which is good. Yeah. Because you could bring people who aren't going to be rude about it right and um i honestly do do think that each individual is different yeah and you know you just have to do what works for you whatever makes you feel confident is what's going to make other people feel confident about you yeah and again it's contagious so um but i don't know i don't i mean i don't know the answer <laughs> i mean i don't think there's like a clear hard and fast answer i'm just right. interested in like your experience and your opinion yeah. yeah i mean do you feel like more doors are starting to open for female creatives here in here in hollywood and here like you know at, in the culture at large right or does it feel a little bit more like lip service uh to me it feels a little more like lip service um and I, I have been hearing more about people wanting to work with women, and I have heard that. But generally, it comes with a discount. Yeah. And uh, I'm uh, in a group called the International Collective of Female Cinematographers, and we were having a meetup one day, and one, one of our members coined, or I don't know if she coined it, but she mentioned the <laughs> phrase, uh, the feminist discount. Yeah. So. I think that's a really interesting point, because that's something that I experienced, too, yeah. that... If there's a different rate if you're a woman right. than if you're a man. And if you ask for a fair shoot rate, they automatically question it. Like, you right. get a lot of pushback. Mm -hmm. And I know that men who do the same job and are working on a comparable shoot with a comparable team yeah. are able to charge a lot more than I've been able to successfully charge because they're men. Right. And it yeah. is a frustrating space. It is a frustrating thing. But I think you're right that it's like, I get to pick my crew mm -hmm. and I pick people who are supportive. I try to support other female creatives as much as I possibly can. Yeah. It's something that I do at Padilla. Like we highlight other female entrepreneurs and female creatives. We interview other females in this space. Like I really am trying to put my money where my mouth is, so yeah. to speak, yeah. and do what I am able to do with the time and the resources that I do have available to me, and hopefully as I get older and my company grows, I'll have more of a footprint and be yeah. able to do more. But I think just, I think there's a lot more awareness around it than there has been in the past, yes. but I do think it's a process, and it's right. like a slow change, and yeah. probably slower than we want it to be. And there are days where I feel like, oh my god, are we still living in Mad Men? Like, right. what is happening? This is crazy. Yeah. Well, not to bring it back to my documentary, but like that's part of the point that I want to look into is that my mom and her team, they played women's football 40 years ago. Nobody knows about it. There are women playing women's football today, and still nobody knows about it. So, like, where's the change? It's been 40 years, and why why hasn't the money turned up? You know? Right. Like, it's... it's I feel like it, every time we make two steps up becomes one step down and it sort of goes like this Yeah. just for, uh, you know, women in general. I mean, I feel like 
politically we're having that moment as yeah. a nation right now. Right. And it's, I think change is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think change forces you to challenge your beliefs. It yep. forces you to look at your reality. It forces you to look at your childhood and how you're trying to replicate those feelings and emotions in your adulthood, which right. is a lot of what being in the world is about. Yeah. And, you know, because it brings back a sense of security and it brings back a sense of belonging and knowing what you're about and who you are and what, you know, what your life is. And, yeah. you know, it's challenging that is scary, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping that because we're more, we're able to have these conversations more and more and out in the open mm-hmm. and that there is a dialogue about it and there is passion on both sides, Right. that hopefully that will be the catalyst that yeah. ultimately brings about real authentic change and right. not just like, oh, we put this woman on the board, we're pro-feminist. <laughs> like, no, you put one woman on the board of 15 people and nobody she, listens to her and no one because listens the 14 to her. men don't care about her. Right, and she gets infinitely less money or benefits and anyone else on the board like it's hopefully there will be a point in time where we are truly equal because I think that your work as a creative should be around your work as a creative and your like your ability to see this project in a unique way that Mm -hmm. make that elevates that project and it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or what your race is or gender or background or any of it it's you're being hired because of your unique lens and your ability to execute that project and not because of some other arbitrary reason that probably shouldn't matter at all. Yeah. Or something that's deeply rooted in our society. Right. That's what it tends to be. Something that was started thousands of years ago and it just has not gone away. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess to be fair, something that took thousands of years to come about and is so strongly rooted in the subconscious is going to take a minute to be dissolved. Yeah, no, uh, I think it's uh, it's foolhardy to think that anything's going to change overnight. And, uh, you know... I, I'm all for the effort. Oh yeah! But uh, I, I would. I don't expect in my career to ever be seen as an equal. <laughs> I so. I want to be optimistic and hope yeah. that we're able to, but I also know that it's a lot of fingers crossed in yeah. that front. Um, but I do honestly feel that the generation coming up behind us mm-hmm. hopefully won't have to have these same conversations and struggles right, yeah. that we're having because I think there's enough frustration and open dialogue about it that we're at a tipping point. It feels like we're at a tipping point. So my hope is that we are truly able to take more than two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. You know, that we are actually able to make some real authentic change that takes hold. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's... Yeah. I mean, in a dream world, what change would you like to see in the industry that helps you feel like you are being taken and seen as an equal? Um, I mean, again, I think it's an individual thing. Like, I, I know plenty of people who are very welcoming to people of all yeah. genders and backgrounds and sexualities and races and it's not a problem but there are individuals out there that as soon as you walk into the room wearing a dress they're just like uh. <laughs> yeah and you know I, I, I can't change all of their minds yeah. um, I don't know what 